Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into our coffee this week? Um, Probably just a couple podcasts that I'm listening to. Ooh, okay. I need a new one. Yeah, I just started this new one today, actually. Um, it only has one episode so far because it's, I guess, a brand new podcast. It's a Discovery Plus podcast, and it's called A Ghost Ruined My Life. Ooh. And the host is Eli Roth, and it's literally, like, real stories with real people, and he hand-selected these stories and has these people come on and tell, like, these horrifying ghost stories. Oh, my God. Wait, can you say the name again? A Ghost Ruined My Life. Okay, I'm starting that tomorrow on my way to work. Yeah, there's only one episode so far, but the first episode was pretty good. And then besides that, I'm really hooked on the podcast right now, The Deck. It's another Ashley Flowers podcast. Okay. And it's based on like, they used to give out these decks of cards, and I'm, I'm sure they still do, in prison with missing persons' faces on the deck of cards. So if inmates see a case that they recognize or a person they recognize, they're like expected to come forward with information. Okay. And each episode is based on a different card. Oh. Yeah. It's really That's good. That's really cool. Yeah, it's good. Cool. What about you? I don't, well, I don't have any recs, but I have a couple funny stories that I wanted to talk about. Okay. So the first one is it's St. Patrick's Day today. Not one you're going to be hearing this episode, but <laughs> yeah. while we're, we're recording, you guys. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, so I woke up this morning and I thought you guys would get a kick out of this. Literally straight out of bed, jumped out of bed at 630 a.m. And was Carson was doing um, his little Irish dancing all his over Irish step dancing all over the bedroom. <laughs> I'm like, a. How do you have this much fucking energy at 6.30 in the morning when I can barely even keep my eyes open? Because it's Carson. I know. And (laughs) B, how are you so good at Irish step dancing? I know. He literally almost gave our Nana a heart attack when he was younger. (laughs) Because he was doing – he, like, went into full-blown Irish step dancing mode. He was probably in, like, sixth grade. And he was going so fast and for so long he was like panting because he was running out of breath. (laughs) And our grandma was – our grandma was straight from England. So she had this cute little British accent and she was just going, ooh, ooh, oh, Carson, oh, Carson. And like she she was like started keeping up with – like she was watching how quickly he was moving. She started breathing happily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was telling me that story this morning and I was cracking up. <laughs> um, but he was doing, you know, the step dancing and he's like, here, take a video. So I took one and in the video, he literally almost like sprains his ankle because he was going so fucking fast. Oh, my God. And you could hear it like crack in the video. Oh, my God. I did not hear it. Yeah, I <laughs> was cracking up. It like made my whole morning. <laughs> And then the other funny story, this one's like really quick, but it's not really funny either. It's like fucked up. But so I had a patient today. She works in a prison and I was like, okay, what's the craziest story you've ever heard? And she's like, this man, one time I came up to him and he straight up 
cut his penis off and <gasps> threw, it, threw it across the room and said that he didn't need it anymore. Oh. I was like, what? She's like, cut the whole thing off. Oh. <laughs> oh my god that's horrifying yeah she's like that's definitely the craziest i was like i hope so yeah let's hope jesus oh my god that is insane so now that you've heard of um a severed penis do you want to get into our coffee yes yeah, severed penises and leprechauns let's do it <laughs> that's the theme yeah um yeah let's get right into our coffee today yeah, so this coffee place is, well, there's a couple locations, but the one we got it from is in Pittsburgh, and it's Cafetano Coffee Roasters. Yeah, and they are a Honduran coffee company. Yeah. And I really like this coffee. It's so good. <laughs> so the location in Pittsburgh is on Penn Ave in the Strip District. So make sure you check them out if you're in the Pittsburgh area. The other locations are in Honduras, correct? Yeah, there's two other locations in Honduras. Yeah. So if you're not in Honduras, but you're in Pittsburgh, check it out. (laughs) And if you're not in any of those three, you can order online. Yes, their website, specifically the Pittsburgh website, is cafetanopittsburgh or pgh.com. So it's cafetanopgh.com. And then their main website is just cafetano.com. And yeah, cafetano so. is spelled C-A-F-E-T-A-N-O. Thank you. I act like everybody knows how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read their little like about me section on their website. Okay. It says, excellence is our mission. The coffee produced on our plantation is exported to Japan, Norway, Australia, and the United States of America. We offer exceptional quality at all of our Cafetano coffee boutiques. Cafetano offers a variety of savory and sweet, high-quality products based on recipes inspired by both Italian and Honduran cuisine. The eclectic and original design of our coffee boutiques creates a comfortable, unique, and welcoming environment, which we know you will enjoy. And that was actually a quote uh, and a little message from the founder, Mirko Kukuliza. So the blend that we're drinking today is La Guara, and it's a special edition blend. And I actually looked on the website, and right now it is sold out. So it must be their best one. Yeah. But the notes that are found in this blend are fruit bomb, pineapple jam, berries, and a sweet aftertaste. Yeah. And then it is a medium light roast. Oh what my are you thinking? I immediately taste the pineapple. Same. And the berry. Yeah, it's like very fruity and aromatic. You, like you can smell it. All the yeah. fruit in there. Yeah. I actually, I smelt it first and then tasted it. And usually I feel like with other blends that we've had that had fruit note, like fruity notes in them, mm-hmm. I could always smell it more than I could taste it. And with this blend, it's the opposite for me. I think I yeah. taste it more than I smell it. Yeah, I agree. And blending and like grinding up the beans, it smelled so fucking good. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what their coffee shop smells like. Yeah, and I feel like it's not it's not too over, like overly powering, of a fruit taste. Yeah, it's. I feel like you get the sweetness from it, but mm-hmm. um, it's not overpowering at all. Yeah. So, 
what are you rating this one? Mm, oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> Let me take another sip. I'm kind of torn because I'm not typically a fruity coffee type of person. Me I think either. I've said this in other episodes. Like the only fruit drinks I drink really when it comes to coffee or tea or tea are a blueberry matcha I'll have once in a while or like blueberry ginger tea or something like that but besides that I really don't typically like fruit in my coffee but this one is a little bit of an exception I think (laughs) yeah I'm not a fan of the aftertaste of the fruit I don't know I feel like it kind of throws me off a little bit Mm -hmm. but um I don't know okay this is really hard I go ahead you go first okay my rating is higher for what I would give for a fruit coffee but not as high as a typical rating because of the fruit if that makes sense makes sense yes I would give this coffee probably a 7 7.5 okay I was gonna say a 6.5 so that's where I'm at and I think it's because it's a really great coffee and I Mm -hmm. think if you put it with certain things it would be great but um I don't know. The fruit in it is – like, the fruity notes are throwing me off a bit. Yeah. I mean, we're just not part of fruit. So I feel like if someone who likes fruity coffees, this this might be one you would want to go for. Yeah. But with that being said, you guys need to fucking go to this place and get their food as well because, A – Oh, my God. (laughs) The freaking – okay. The little cafe is all exposed brick, which the aesthetic is just – perfect uh-huh and um the food looks literally amazing i'm drooling i don't know how i've never been to this place or you know like seen it in passing i don't know but like they have paninis and avocado toast and everything just looks so fucking delicious i want to read a couple of things off the menu if you don't mind because yeah go ahead they sound incredible. So there's a cheesecake called Choco Hazy Cheesecake, and it's Nutella and chopped hazelnuts. No. Yeah. Then there are wraps, and one of the wraps has avocado, cherry tomatoes, feta cheese, basil, and vinaigrette. Shut up. Oh, my God. Look <laughs> at these waffles. They're yes. lemon. Did you, oh. see, did you see the hazelnut waffle? Yes, hazelnut spread, whipped cream, and cacao nibs. But then there's lemon Belgian waffles that have lemon and homemade butter spread topped with powdered sugar. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Not to mention they have, like, amazing-looking smoothies. Wow, I need to go here to eat. Anybody that's in the Pittsburgh area, you need to go on an empty stomach. There's also a croissant that's called the Guava Mama, and it has homemade guava jam with cream cheese. What the fuck? <laughs> it sounds so good. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed, and I've never been here. I know. A lemon yeah. tart. Okay. I'm down. <laughs> Sign me the fuck up. <laughs> lemon tart. Say no more. <laughs> you had me at lemon tart. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, needless to say, you need to go. Thank you so much, Cafetano, for sending us some coffee that we got to try tonight. We are yes. very excited. By the way, I'm definitely going to be ordering, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the Zots blend from them because mm-hmm. listen to how good this sounds. The okay. notes are almond, 
milk caramel and cherry wow yeah that's sounds and amazing. it says it's like a, it's a medium dark roast blend and it's famous it's famous for like espresso drinks oh my god yeah oh my god did you see the horchata drink no cacao horchata iced or frozen oh my god yeah i'm obsessed yeah, so go check them out. They look amazing. The coffee's really good. Check them out. Yep. And just so everyone knows their Instagram handles, their Pittsburgh handle is Cafetano Coffee PGH. And then their handle from Honduras, which is their main coffee place, is Cafetano HND. Cool. Yep. And on that note, shall we begin? We shall. Okay. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. All right. So getting in today's episode, we are going to be talking about Abraham Shakespeare. A little bit of background about Abraham Shakespeare. He was born Abraham Lee Shakespeare. He was born on April 24th, 1966 in Lakeland, Florida, and he worked as a truck driver's assistant. He grew up in Plant City, Florida, and he didn't have much money while growing up. His family was described as being on the poorer side, but he worked in the fields to support his family. Oh, geez. Yeah, and he even left school in order to work to support his family. Wow. So I feel like he was just a really good person. Yeah. And really family-oriented. Right. Due to this, he wasn't well-educated, and he couldn't read or write. He eventually had two children, and he was 42 at the time of this case. So moving forward, fast-forwarding, he came into a bit of luck, which is fitting because today's St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) What the heck? I literally, the word luck just clicked for me. Oh, my God. That's look at the Irish. The look at the Irish. (laughs) So November 15th, 2006, Abraham Shakespeare and his co-worker Michael Ford were driving towards Miami, and they stopped at a Townstar convenience store in Frostproof, Florida. They went there to buy drinks and cigarettes, and Ford asked Abraham if he wanted a soda, and Abraham asked him to get him two lottery tickets. Abraham then paid Ford $2 for the tickets from $5 that he had on him that day. Can we just mention that there's a place called Frostproof, Florida? Yeah. Like, they're <laughs> like, never getting frost. No frost there. <laughs> I wonder if they actually had have gotten frost before and everyone's like, what the fuck? Everyone's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to Frostproof so I wouldn't get frost. My fucking grass is frosty. <laughs> Um, Okay, so (laughs) that night, Abraham won a $31 million lottery. Holy shit. From $2 he spent on tickets. How incredible is that? He chose a, quote, one-time lump sum cash payment of $17 million. So whoever doesn't know how the lottery works, you get to choose whether you want it broken up over years or one lump sum which is smaller than the main amount crazy 
Yeah. And a few articles say he actually had a lump sum payment of 16.9 million, but most of them said 17 million. So, either way, it's right around there. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So, after winning, Abraham then moved to North Lakeland, Florida, and he purchased a $1 million home in a gated community. The house was described as his dream home. I love that. Good for him. He so deserved that. I know. I'm getting choked up. The only other big purchases that he made for himself after winning were a Nissan Altima and a Rolex from a pawn shop. Aww. Wow. He's, like, smart with his money. Yeah, and I feel like he he had all this money, but he was buying things that he thought were necessities to himself or just things that he, like, always dreamed of having, but he wasn't excessive with it. Right, like, not over the top. Yeah. Ford later demanded that Abraham give him a share of his winnings. Remember, this is the guy that helped him buy the lottery ticket. I don't think you can just demand that from someone, but okay. Right. Like, hey, I'm the one that bought it, so. Yeah. He wanted at least $1 million for this, which I think is really fucking rude to ask. Yeah, he'd be lucky if Abraham was generous enough to give him like 100 bucks. Yeah. If that. He didn't even have to do that. April of 2007, Abraham refused and Ford tried to sue him for some money. Ford alleged that Abraham stole the lottery ticket out of his wallet. Ugh, what an asshole. October 19th, 2007, the story was not believed in court and Abraham did not have to pay for it. The jury took uh, a little over an hour to make this decision. So they were like, this is clearly bullshit. Yeah, like, of course you're going to say it was yours. Yeah. Like, that's so fucking rude. Not to mention he paid him for it. Insane. Abraham was very generous with his money when it came to family and friends. He bought homes for some of his cousins. He paid a business loan worth $87,000 for his friend Greg Smith, who was a barber, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, wow. Like, this is how this man is choosing to spend his money. It sounds like he literally spent more money on family and friends than he did himself. Yeah. His friend Greg Smith, the barber, said that he was going to pay him back in installments over you you know years but he did just up he like fronted him eighty seven thousand dollars for this business loan wow as mentioned abraham couldn't read or write so it was really hard for him to properly manage his money or really know what he was signing off on i mean that's really sad he could easily be taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and that's what some people did they took advantage of this and used him for his money his cousin, Tammy Adam said, quote, It was scary because he didn't know how to manage his money. He had his entourage around him, but half those people he didn't know. They knew he couldn't read. They knew he couldn't write. They knew he couldn't sign nothing but his name. And that's, an, that's a quote from Oxygen.com. That makes me fucking sick. How the fuck do you take advantage of somebody that's already so generous with their money? Yeah. And these people are, like, coming out of the woodwork and just basically preying upon this man. Yeah. Like, oh, you have money. I'm going to take advantage of you for everything that you have. Mm. His cousin, Cedric Adams, said, quote, he was their cash cow and they milked him daily. 
which was another oxygen.com quote, which is fucking horrible. How do you mm-hmm. do that to somebody? Abraham had told his brother, quote, I'd have been better off broke. And allegedly he told his childhood friend, quote, I thought all these people were my friends, but then I realized all they want is just money. Wow. That's so sad. That's so heartbreaking. He seemed like such a nice person too. And the fact that he was, he didn't have to reach into his pocket at all for anyone. Right. That's just awful. Horrible. Less than two years after winning the money, Abraham had only $2 million left of the 17 total. Holy shit. Yeah. October 2008, one of his friends introduced him to Doris Donegan, or Dee Dee, as they were known as, Moore. She offered to write a book to tell Abraham's story. Through this, she realized that Abraham was quickly running through his money, and Abraham agreed to her stepping in kind of as his financial advisor. They also launched a business called Abraham Shakespeare LLC. One million was used to open the account, and she was kind of in charge of the firm's fund. Mm-hmm. So. so Moore suggested that Abraham not leave his house in order to avoid people trying to leech off of him. At this point, Abraham was frustrated with all of the people using him for his money, and he probably didn't know who he could even trust as a genuine friend. So he followed her advice and isolated himself. Ugh. Which is really, it's like hard in that mind frame probably to know if this person is giving you advice because they care about you and they see what's happening or if this person is also trying to take advantage of you at that point. Right. It's like, am I trusting this woman with the rest of my money or what do I do? Right. So after a few weeks, Abraham's family and loved ones became concerned because they couldn't get in touch with him at all. Moore was the only one who could contact him and said that Abraham was sending her texts saying he was fine. Oh, God. She also reassured the family and said that he just needed to take that time away. And his family kind of rationalized that this could be a possibility his cousin Cedric Edom reiterated this belief when he said, quote, he did mention wanting to leave town. We wanted to help him because everybody else's dream he was trying to fill and he never had time for himself. Oh. And that was a quote from Oxygen.com. Yeah, I'm glad his cousin was like, yeah, we should probably step in. Like, it's easy to when you hear information like this to be like wait how did they believe her or like how weren't they like they were concerned but how weren't they making a bigger deal about it but I feel like in the moment because he said all those things and because of his situation where these people were taking advantage of him and like the family was seeing that he was being taken advantage of it was easy for them to believe her when she was saying oh he like He's been texting me, but he really just wants time away. Not that I could put myself in these this family's shoes at all, but I could totally see how they would believe what she was saying. Yeah. So they hoped that he was, quote, living on a beach in the Caribbean Sea. 
Yeah. November 9th, 2009, when he still hadn't heard from Abraham in seven months, Cedric Edom reported Abraham missing. Remember, that's his cousin. Mm -hmm. And his family said they hadn't seen him since April 2009. So, again, in seven months. Wow. November 24th, 2009, Abraham Shakespeare was declared missing by the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. So where is Abraham? Abraham's mom was also concerned at this point. She had received texts from Abraham but found this strange as he couldn't read or write. So she was like, "Like, how is he texting me? Like, She was just a little confused. Yeah, and I think it was also described in some articles as it was responses in ways that he wouldn't even respond. Yeah. Due to Abraham being a lottery winner, the police instantly had a long list of people to look into. Some of the list of people that they looked into were people who owed him money, people who wanted his money, stuff like that. It was difficult because there wasn't even evidence that pointed to foul play. So they were like, where do we even like start here? Mm -hmm. They looked into Michael Ford since he had tried suing Abraham for money and lost. But they kind of rolled him out, said that he was in Georgia at the time of Abraham's disappearance. Police also looked into Dee Dee Moore since she was the last person that was in contact with him. She showed the text between her and Abraham to the police. The text showed him leaving by his own choice. She said he left town and went to Texas, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, or Orlando, Florida, or was was sick in a hospital. Those are a lot of fucking options. Right. Like, why, why would you say all of those things? Right. I don't know. He's in one of these places or maybe in a hospital. Yeah. She also said that she helped him leave town, which sounds sketchy as hell. Mm -hmm. So later on in 2009 into 2010, that's where we're at now, December 28th of 2009, Abraham's mother got a phone call and it was from a private number. A man on the phone said he was Abraham. She knew it wasn't and reported the call to the detectives. They then traced the call, and it came from Greg Smith, who was the barber that Abraham actually loaned $87,000 to. My God. I feel like the police and his mom moved so quickly on that. Right. And, like, I don't know. Was this person that Greg that called really thinking that he was going to fool his mother into thinking that it was Abraham? Yeah. By the voice? I don't know. The call was traced to a mall parking lot, so they went there to find Greg Smith. While there, they saw Dee Dee Moore pull into the parking lot next to Smith's car. She got into his car and handed him a wad of money. What the fuck? <sighs> like, that's not suspicious. What the fuck? When Smith left, they tailed him and pulled him over. He admitted to making the phone call and said, quote, listen, I made the phone call. A lady paid me $5,000 to call and say I was Abraham Shakespeare. And that was a oxygen.com quote. So then Smith was released after that. Mm-hmm. Investigators began digging into Moore's background. 
and they found that she had accusations against her for fraud theft and arson so the wowzers yeah the one fucking person that he like chose to put his trust into was this person oh my god it's so sad it's really sad and who i'm sorry who was the person who hooked him up with her right like did they not know her background right i don't know but it's horrible she actually had been arrested for insurance fraud as well. So, she's just not a great person. No. 2001, she was convicted of insurance fraud and falsely reporting a crime, and she served one year probation for that. In 2002, she filed for bankruptcy, which I guess would make sense as to why she needed somebody's money. But mm-hmm. like, Investigators decided decided to have Smith wear a wire and wanted him to meet with Moore again. He put a wire in an empty energy drink can and met Moore at the gas station. Moore told Smith that she was put under blame for Abraham's disappearance, but that she would pay somebody to take the rap. So, like... Which is also sketchy. Yeah. Why would you need to pay someone to take the rap for something that you didn't do? Right. Doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. They then subpoenaed her phone records. After Abraham disappeared, the only phone calls and texts from his phone were to Moore. Their phone calls also pinged from the same towers, which is so fucking sketchy. Mm-hmm. Like red flag after red flag. Yeah. So January 21st, 2010, detectives then came up with another plan. And they had Smith meet up with Moore again, bringing his quote-unquote cousin, who was actually an undercover cop named Officer Mike Smith. Oh, my God. She finally admitted that she thought Abraham was dead and that somebody shot him. What? Like, why would you automatically say, oh, I think he was shot? Right, like, unless how would you, you were, even come up with that? Unless you were involved. Yeah. So the, I'm going to put in bunny quotes, cousin said he'd go to prison if Moore paid him $50,000 and told him where the body was. And he played it off as he needed info to be able to feed the cops to sound like credible. Yeah. Later that night, Moore met up with Smith again at a gas station, but alone this time. And she drove Smith from Lakeland to Plant City. She actually bought a house in Plant City, which she put in her boyfriend's name. And this is where she brought Smith. Sketchy. She took him to her backyard where there was a big cement slab and said, quote, tell your boy to dig six feet down and you'll find Abraham's body. What the fuck? Yeah. And how clever of her to put this house under her boyfriend's name Mm -hmm. as if it wouldn't be connected to her at all right and like once again just like trying to get someone else to go down for something that she's clearly involved in trying to cover her tracks yeah so moore gave smith a gun as well saying it was the murder weapon but she got it from an unknown murderer what yeah I guess, like, she wouldn't reveal who the murderer was, but she said she got it from the murderer. 
January 25th or 27th, there was contradicting articles about the date. In 2010, investigators found the remains of Abraham Shakespeare exactly where Moore had said. Wow. Most of the articles said January 25th, and I think that's the one Oxygen said as well, so I would go with that date. He was under 9 feet or 2.7 meters of dirt under the concrete slab, and Moore was then taken in for questioning. Police found her at Abraham's mansion. What the fuck? Which she said she bought from him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, it just gets more and more out there with this woman. Yeah. It was found that January 9th, 2009, ownership of the house was transferred to American Medical Professionals, which was Moore's company. Wow. And why was it called American Medical Professionals? Right. Like, what the fuck even is that as her company? Yeah. Like, what is she claiming to do? I don't know, but it's sketchy. Uh Uh-huh. January 29th, 2010, the remains were identified as Abraham Shakespeare. Wow. Poor Abraham. I feel so bad for him. Mm-hmm. February 2nd, 2010, Moore was taken into custody and bond was set for $1 million. An interrogation, in an interrogation, Moore continued to deny killing Abraham, and she said that drug dealers killed him. Like, A, why would she know that if that was the case? And B, why would you know where he's buried? In your boyfriend's backyard. She's just so strange. Yeah. And when I read her name was Dee Dee, I instantly thought of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Dee Dee Blanchard. (laughs) I was like, is it like the name? It must be the name. Sorry if there's any Dee Dee's listening. I hope you're really, really nice women or men. (laughs) But so far... That name is just not held well in my, in my books. Right. She said she had been there when they stormed the house and killed him. These She's talking about these drug dealers. Mm-hmm. She was forced to cover up what happened after that, which is a load of bullshit if you ask me. Yeah, she went as far as saying there was a quote about what she said. And she went as far as saying, oh, I peed my pants. I was so scared. Yeah, okay. Like, just, like, overly elaborating on something that didn't even happen. Sure, Dee Dee. She gave the police a name, but it kind of led nowhere for, like, this drug dealer that apparently broke in and killed him. Mm-hmm. She told other stories as well, blaming the lawyer and even her 14-year-old son at one point. She's really fucked up. She has zero heart. Mm-hmm. Other stories included Abraham, quote, ran off with a lady from the bank and that he had AIDS. So, like, why would you even say that? I don't understand. What is like, that? How does that to make do him run anything? away? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Investigators also spoke to Moore's ex husband once they started digging into her a little bit. And he said in April 2009, Moore had had him use a machine to dig a hole in her backyard and then fill it later at night. Wow. The fuck did he think that hole was for? She told him it was to bury concrete and trash. He claimed he had no idea there was a body buried in the hole 
and he was rolled out as a suspect and accomplice. Yeah, he said basically by the time she had him fill it in, it was so dark outside, he, like, couldn't even see what was in the hole. Mm. But, like, oh, I want to get rid of concrete and trash. Let me dig a massive hole in my backyard and then just fill it in and put concrete on top. Right, can you just, like, fill it in the dark as well? So weird. February 19th, 2010, with her story not matching up and things pointing to her, prosecutors charged D.D. Moore with first-degree murder. So now we're on the, to the trial and sentencing. March 15th, 2010, Moore pled not guilty in a Hillsborough County, Florida court. This bitch is delusional. She's fucking crazy. It was revealed that she had withdrawn $1 million when she and Abraham had started the LLC together. In early police interviews, she couldn't give a reason why the money used to open the account was withdrawn. Interestingly, the money was removed one day after Abraham's name was removed from the account. So basically, they opened this account with $1 million in it, and then she took his name off the thing. So he couldn't use it. And then she withdrew the money from the account. So the the account was just sitting there with nothing in it. Yep. She initially claimed that his name was removed from the Abraham Shakespeare LLC account because he didn't want to pay taxes. <clears throat> Unsure if this story was changed or elaborated on even further once it was brought to court. Like, who knows if that stayed the story. Right. Basically, she is just lying out of her ass. Right. And, okay, so you guys have an LLC with his name on it and his money in it. His name is now off of it because he doesn't want to pay taxes, but your name is still on it. So you're expected to pay this man's taxes on a million dollars. Right. Like, that makes no fucking sense. No. In late February to early March 2009, she bought herself a Hummer, a $70,000 Chevrolet Corvette for her boyfriend, and a $30,000 truck. She literally spent more money than he did. On himself. On himself. Besides, like, the most he spent on himself was probably his $1 million house. Right. Which is really sad. Uh-huh. She bought Rolex watches, diamond rings, and a bunch of other shit. She'd also gone on vacation, and she claimed that the money was all a gift from Shakespeare. This lady's fucking disgusting. Like, how the fuck do you do this to somebody that you don't even know? Right. And, like, just extort them for their money and then kill them. Right. And I'm sure she had him potentially signing off on things that he couldn't even read. Right. It was and, just like, yep, trust me. Yeah, like, oh, this is what this says. I'm doing this for you, this for you, this for you. And meanwhile, he was probably signing over his freaking house or whatever. Right. And it makes sense that she made him cut himself off from, like, society and his family. Right. So sad. It was also revealed that at some point, Moore tried to pay someone to dig up and move Abraham's body to another location. Oh, my God. So she just thought she could, like, pay whoever to do whatever, basically. 
During his disappearance, she also allegedly offered the mother of one of Abraham's children a $200,000 home if she lied and told detectives that she had seen Abraham. What the actual fuck? Another story Moore had later on as to what happened to Abraham was that she killed him in self-defense. And we're kind of like assuming this is the one that she used in court as to why she did this and why she considered herself not guilty. Yeah, there were other stories too that she had paid or given people fake birthday cards that she wrote pretending to be Abraham to people to give to his mom. What the fuck? Yeah, to wish his mom a happy birthday, like, quote-unquote, from him. That's so funny. Which is just so sadistic in a way. And she was definitely, like, a sociopath. Had oh, yeah. no Had, like, no regards to anyone. Yeah. Wow. So when Abraham Shakespeare had been found, when his body had been found, he had $10,000 left. Oh, my God. Out of the $17 million that he had. Wow. And most of it be- probably being spent by this woman. Yeah. Investigators believe he had died on April 6th or 7th in 2009. They also think he died in Moore's Plant City home, the house of the backyard that he was found in. Oh, my God. He was shot twice in the chest by a thirty-eight caliber pistol. That's just so awful. He probably thought he was going there to do some kind of financial talk with her or something. Ugh. December 10th, 2012, Dee Dee Moore was found guilty of first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Oh, God. She had an additional minimum sentence of 25 years for possessing a gun in the course of a violent felony. Judge Emmett Battles said, quote, after trial and listening to all of this over two weeks, words that were said, cool, calculated, manipulated. Abraham Shakespeare was your prey and victim. Money was the root of evil you brought to Abraham. You are sentenced to life in prison. You shall not be eligible for parole. And that was a quote from ABC News. Amen. And I think those words were, like, so on point with everything that she did. I agree. And Dee Dee is incarcerated in Ocala, Florida at the Low Correctional Facility. Something happy slash very strange that happened after all of this was in June 2017, Antoinette Andrews, which was the mother of one of Abraham's sons, Moses, won $1 million in a $20 scratch-off. What the hell? Yeah. That's really weird. How does that happen? That had to have been, like, his little gift to her. Right, like, looking out. Oh, my God. Yeah. He had to have made that happen. Wow. It was a scratch-off $5 million Monopoly game ticket, and it was bought at a Circle K in Florida, and Antoinette received a one-time payment of $770,000. Damn. Yep. 
She did say, though, that she was a little scared about winning because of everything that happened with Abraham, Ugh. which is awful. Like, she yeah. can't even enjoy her winnings, really, because not only did this awful thing happen to him, but she also is probably thinking on the, like, among the other things that happened, people, like, she's probably worrying, oh, are people going to take advantage of me? Who can I trust? Right. You know, like, are my friends really my friends? Maybe not as extreme as being murdered by someone, but even just all the things that happened to him. Yeah. Another thing that's a little bit happy is that Abraham's son, Moses, will receive $1 million when he turns 18 because of a trust fund that was set up by Abraham. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. He's just so giving. I know. It's so sad that his life had to be taken and his money had to be extorted from him in the way that it was when he fully deserved to live a long, happy, wealthy life with everything he endo- had endured. Yeah. It's just horrible. So some TV shows that came out of Abraham's story, I'll just list them here. American E!, Course, uh, Curse of the Lottery. It was part of an episode of Lottery Changed My Life, which I fucking love that show. I've never seen that. Oh my god. I've never seen anything like Abraham's like case on there. Mm-hmm. It's usually just like people going and spending all their money that they went on the lottery. Wow. 2011 episode of Lockup featured more while in the Hillsborough County Jail in Tampa, Florida awaiting her trial. I'll pass on that one. Thanks. I think I'll move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. 2013 episode of American Greed. July 2013 episode of Deadly Women. September 2013 episode of Snapped. And Oxygen's Buried in the Backyard. His story is just so sad. I know. It really is. Because, like, he just came upon something that would make his life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily happier, but... It just completely ruined his life, literally. Right. Like, the fact that he had had such a rough, I mean, maybe not family life growing up, but that his family didn't have a lot of money and he had to leave school in order to help support them. Right. And couldn't read or write because he wasn't well educated. Like, he deserved winning the lottery and and doing things that he had never done and living in his dream home and... Being able to, like, he bought houses for multiple cousins. Like, he he is the type of person that deserves to win that kind of money. Yeah. And it's just so awful that so many people took advantage of that. And then this DD bitch came along and literally stole everything from him. Literally fucked up his entire life. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh, crazy. I've never heard of anything like this, actually. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So anything else before we get into our spiel? I don't think so. I think I've said all my things. Do you have any things? No, I just, uh, I had the worst bout of vertigo in my life the other day. Yeah, how are you feeling? I had to call Kelsey. I felt so bad. I was driving to work. I'm like, what is going on? I felt horrible. I literally felt like 
when you go on a ride at a carnival, like a spaceship 3000 or whatever it's called for other people, where you're spinning really quickly and the things are moving, you know, and you're, you can flip upside down and stuff. That's yeah. how I felt while I was walking. Yeah. And for anyone who watches Euphoria, the episode where <laughs> the room is spinning around Rue. Yes. That is how I felt. Oh my god, that's horrible. And you got sick too. Yeah, I was throwing up because of how nauseous I was. Because anytime I would try to walk, I was stumbling all over the place. The room was like literally going insane. And I was throwing up the whole morning. I was supposed to be into work at 8 and I couldn't get there till 2. Oh my god, I felt so fucking bad. I'm so happy you're feeling better and you didn't need to go to the emergency room. I know. I don't know what the hell it was. Maybe sleep deprivation or... Dehydration. I don't know. Dehydration, stress. All of the (laughs) above combined. Could be any. (laughs) Yeah. I shouldn't Um, be laughing about it. That's probably serious, but... (laughs) Yeah, but you made it out. Yeah. I hope it never happens again. I mean, I've had moments where, like, your equilibrium... Ugh, I can't talk. I've had moments where your equilibrium feels off and you like stumble for a second. But this was like unlike anything I've ever experienced. I couldn't I couldn't walk for hours. Literally horrible. I feel so bad. Yeah. But I'm glad you're better. Me too. Besides that, nothing new. Yeah. Over here. So want to get into our spiel if you have nothing to add into that? Yes. So Go to our – I feel like I'm cheering right now. Go to our <laughs> Facebook at Crime Cults and Coffee, and that's usually where we post our resources for every weekly episode along with uh, the photos from every episode of the week. Um, we also have on there our link. Please don't forget to check it out, um, the GoFundMe link that we had set up for Drew Molinari's family um to have a billboard put up and his to to talk about some details about him try to get his case solved so please check it out it's on our facebook as a post that we had um you also can find us on instagram at crime cults and coffee and that's where we put all of our coffees that we review and our recommendations that we talk about at the beginning of the episodes yeah i also need to step it up with i need to catch back up on all of our posts so Sometime within the next week, week and a half, I'm going to be slamming Instagram with posts. So <laughs> s- apologies in advance. <laughs> um, I've been good with the stories and stuff still, just not the actual page. Yeah. And also before I get into more of our spiel, I wanted to give a little shout out to Lexi because Lexi contacted us on Instagram and Kels, she actually complimented your covering of The Watcher in one of our Urban Legends episodes. Oh, Um, how sweet. Apparently she had requested that from us and we didn't even realize. Oh my God, Lexi, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But she said that it was covered the best that she's heard on any podcast. Oh, my God. I'm so props, cry. Kels. Thank you, Lexi. That's so sweet. You made my heart so happy. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lexi, for being so supportive. Yeah. Okay, back into the spiel. So if you want to give us a listener story of your own or have a case suggestion like Lexi did, which we promise for <laughs> will notice and remember (laughs) (laughs) you can dm us at crime colts and coffee on instagram or email us at crime colts and coffee at gmail.com 
We love when you guys engage and interact and suggest things to us. So please go for it. Also, you can head to our Apple podcast. If you listen to us on Apple podcast, leave a nice rate and review for us. We'd appreciate it. Um, And if you don't listen to us on Apple podcast on any other listening platform, you can follow us. You can subscribe so you know when our new episodes come out every week. Yeah, hit that subscribe. (laughs) Usually we release our episodes at like 6 a.m. on Fridays. So it's a nice wake up call. Unless there's a glitch, which Which has has happened. happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm subscribed to my podcast that I listen to. And they're always like wake up calls for me in the morning. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. Beautiful what a podcast will do. Yes. And as Kelsey said, please, it's so important. It's a call to action for you guys to donate any little bit to the billboard for Drew Molinari. We are trying to hit a $500 for his mom to be able to do this for him. Yes, please, 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 if you are able, donate. And I think that's about it for this week. We will see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook